The Money Heroes Podcast from Young Money, supported by HSBC UK. Hello and welcome back to the Money Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hart. Of course, money is around us all the time and part of our everyday lives. From a very young age, children are faced with decisions about money, whether it's to do with the treat they'd like to buy or the latest games and football cards. And in this series, we aim to develop children's money management skills and hopefully help to alleviate worries about money. Along with an array of brilliant money and education experts, as well as parents, we want to give you the support and encouragement to tackle financial education at home. In our last episode, we spoke to Sir Chris Hoy, Olympic athlete, children's author of the Flying Fergus series, mental health advocate and dad of two. Chris gave us a parent's point of view about introducing money matters at home, as well as sharing his experience with the Money Heroes activity to buy or not to buy. We also continue to speak about how we approach money worries with our children. Today we'll be joined by another sporting hero, Dame Sarah Storey, Paralympic cyclist, former swimmer and policy advocate to British Cycling. Sarah is a mum of two and she'll share her experience of introducing financial education and money heroes at home. But before I speak with Sarah, we'll be expanding on our last episode, which focused on how to deal with money worries and another theme from the primary planning framework developed by Young Money, understanding the important role money plays in our lives. Just to remind you, the framework is focused around four core themes that form the basis of all Young Money's resources and programmes. It sets out the knowledge, skills and attitudes about money for different age groups of children and young people. As we previously discussed, it can be daunting for parents to have conversations about money if you're not sure where to start. Understanding the important role money plays in our lives, how people earn money and the different types of job, where money comes from and how it affects the wider community is another core theme that adds value to financial education. Allowing children to ask questions and learn about work how adults earn money, and for children that are a little older, basic concepts around taxes and national insurance will give them the opportunity to look at the wider picture and really understand about prioritising money and why it is beneficial to save and track it. So if you need a helping hand to start the conversation, the Money Heroes World of Work activity can support you. It gives children the opening to ask questions about different jobs. To make it more personal and centred around your household, you could share your own experience. If you're comfortable doing so, it will help them consider how your family manages money. You can also get them thinking about their own future and how they wish to make money and manage it. Of course, this is very likely to change as they get older. Uh, my daughter, by the way, is hoping to be an actress, so it looks like I'll be financing her for some time to come. And whatever she decides to do, I've stressed to her the need to manage the money you have. So the point of this exercise is to get our children to think and consider about being in control of their own money and how they'll ensure they effectively manage it for their future. The Money Heroes Podcast. Developing financially capable children together. Well, it really is a pleasure to have Dame Sarah Story with us today to give us an idea of how she practices financial education at home with her children. Sarah is one of the most decorated UK athletes ever. She's competed as a swimmer, 
at four Paralympic Games before switching to cycling in 2005 and is now the proud owner of 14, yes, 14 Paralympic gold medals. Amazing. Well, whilst achieving incredible success throughout her career as a professional athlete, Sarah uses her knowledge across sport to play an instrumental part in the campaign to create parity for women and para-athletes. She's also a policy advocate to British cycling, as well as an equality and health promoter, whilst most importantly being a mum of two children, Louisa, aged seven, and Charlie, aged three. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. It's great to be here. It's such an important topic. Indeed it is. Can you first tell us why you think it is so important to introduce financial education to our children at home and not solely rely on teachers to develop money management skills? I think it's really important that it's a subject matter outside of school as well, because there is only so much you can do within that perimeter fence of a school boundary. You know, being out and about in everyday life, the different situations you'll find yourself in as a family, and each family will have their own way of managing that household account. So that everyday life um, situation really helps make that learning come to life and hopefully makes it a lesson that stays with that child throughout their life too. Mm. And at what point did you start teaching your children about financial education and why did you think it is so valuable to do so? Well, I think just talking about that, you know, mum's going to work or dad's going to work, that starts the conversation about why, you know, finances are important if you want to do certain things, even, you know, basic living costs need, you know, an income. And so having getting children used to the idea that everything doesn't just grow on trees um, outside, that you have to work uh, and contribute to the economy in order you know, to, to live even just the basic form of life. And then if you want nice things on top of that, um, if you want to treat other people, if you want to visit places, then you'll need a means to do that. So I think I, I can't remember the age that they were, but when it was like, mum, why are you doing that? And um, you start to introduce the concept of money and why, you know, it's needed and it's part of life. So, yeah, I suppose between the age of one and two, when they first start asking that question, why are you going to work? It's probably the first point you start talking about the, the, the concept of money. I'm impressed. <laughs> one and two years old is very, very uh, young indeed. That, that That's a brilliant start. So what does the term financial education mean to you? Well, for me, it's just that understanding of why money has to be there. It's not something that you need to have as a controlling feature, but it's just something that you respect about life. You need to earn a living. You know, you have a job, you work towards something and, and hard work and that you know, work ethic that people talk about having. Seeing and role modelling that work ethic is one of the best ways of um, hoping that your children will follow suit and, um, you know, being productive and doing different things throughout the day that contribute to that, that productivity. So I think it's about that whole general umbrella term of what money is and how you can, you know, have, how you interact with it during your life so that you can have healthy financial um, habits. Um, and we talk about this a little bit later on, but also living within your means and what that means to a child and a family um, so that as they grow, they can understand that if you've got this amount of money in your pocket and you can spend that, then you are going to only be able to spend up to that amount of money. So I think, you know, it just it just talks about that interaction of money in our life and how we can have healthy habits with it. Mm. And of course, many parents have a lot to think about at the moment which may include working longer hours or other responsibilities. What obstacles do you feel that you face when teaching your children about money at home 
at this really extraordinary time? Well, teaching children um, about finances during a pandemic has to be the hardest time, especially for families who've um, experienced um, job loss and, and, and aren't able to find a new job and have had to change their whole household way of doing things in terms of the finances. It It's a heartbreaking situation and it's a situation that, you know, you have to tread very carefully, especially with younger children because it's, you know, so complex. And also then for older children who have understood a type of economy within a house for a certain number of years and now that has suddenly changed out of no fault of their own or their parents and it is a very very difficult time so we're working from home my husband and I I'm not going to work as it were anymore I'm in the office at home and so it's been that switch to that is mummy's new office while the pandemic is on and while coronavirus is around but it is amazing how much um, young children pick up. And when I say to my three-year-old even, I'm really sorry, we can't do that today. He'll actually answer the question because of coronavirus. And he almost <laughs> sounds like a teenager already. And yeah. I'm like, yes, I'm sorry. It's because the virus is still around. We're in lockdown or there's the restrictions of the tier that we're living in. And so we've always been incredibly honest with both children about the situation and not try to kind of, shield them but not try to scare them either just been try to be very pragmatic and say we will do this but we can't do it now and when it comes to finances neither of them have really been to a supermarket certainly not my daughter so you know just the everyday shopping type of things that type of activity hasn't been a part of their life but believe me last summer when we could go to you know the local shop to pick up things and we were away in our motorhome they'd happily you know cycle to the shops with us pick up the food or whatever it was we were going for um and you know play a part in that trip as as they would have normally done yeah i mean in some respects this pandemic has made the youngsters you know, grow up quicker. And uh, I've got three of my own and uh, I, I share uh, all, all those uh, challenges that you talk about. And um, I'm very interested to know from you how you keep your children engaged while teach them, teaching them about money. Well, I think it's talking about things that really interest them. I, you know, I go back to when I was at school and I, I couldn't understand physics at GCSE at all. But as soon as I went to university and it was related to something I was really interested in, my sports science degree, I was just like, ah, oh, where's my brother's GCSE physics books? I'm going to have to swat up again on something I didn't really get when I was at school. And I think that's the same with money. If it's about something that they're really interested in, it's, you know, you're saving up to go and do something or you're going to go away somewhere or you'd like to buy something. So, for example, my daughter, um, she's really into the different learning challenges they do at school. And so she uses her pocket money to buy the best book she can find about that particular topic. And she ordered, I think she ordered three books just after Christmas because she knew what the learning challenge was going to be for this half term. And then she'd found VE Day last year during the first lockdown incredibly interesting. So she bought two books, one about World War One, one about World War Two. And so she just kind of saved up. She realised in her money box she had enough money to buy these books. She handed the money to dad um, and, you know, we, we ordered it um, off the internet and it was delivered. And so, you know, even in, in lockdown, if you are, you know, you still have that pocket money situation going on. And, but with the three-year-old, you know, we're playing shop at home. We have a till and um, that I think was Louise's when she was little. And we talk about buying things and he'll come up and say, I'd like to buy such and such. And he'd give me a 50 pound note. So the numbers on the money aren't uh, right now, but the concept of having to hand something over in order to receive something that you'd like to have in a shop um, is something that can still be done in, in the four walls of your house. 
Yeah, I mean, when we used to go to the supermarket as a family, and it's been a few few months since we did that, I do find that the supermarket is a great place to play money games with the kids. I mean, my boys absolutely loved to go and find a product. Then we would go to the barcode reader. We didn't necessarily need to, but I just thought it was a kind of good exercise for them. And they get very excited about seeing how much something costs. Anything that involves buttons or codes is great fun isn't it it really is and i think you know the supermarket has become a place where you can't see yourself playing anymore because of the you know the, yeah. the infection One at control a time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah but when you've got charlie in the trolley and he's helping um that you know the adult that's gone with him spotting the um codes for the offers so if it's a buy one, get one free, it has a very similar sign in each shop. They might have a different type of way of displaying it, but it will be the same throughout the shop. So are there a two for one offers? Is it a buy one, get one free? And getting him to spot the offers um, so that he can see, you know, what's in the sale. You know, the idea that you can pick up a bargain and the importance of looking for those um, thrifty ways of, of shopping for a, for a family Um so we, we still do those kind of things because it's, you know, the, the non-touch way of being involved with the, the financial aspect of, of shopping. So could you give us an example of something you've introduced into your family to keep the children engaged with money or transactions specifically? Well, it's something that I did as a child, my parents did with me. And it, whenever we are somewhere that's unfamiliar or especially in another country, um, you know, we would give them the money to go up and do the, the transaction. If it was something specifically for something they would like to have or they were buying for them or they were buying for somebody else, we would give them the, you know, the autonomy to make that transaction um, and go and, and, and interact with the cashier and, and give over the money. And we would obviously tell them if they needed change and to wait for that to come um, and to bring everything back. Um, and we'd obviously stand at then a safe distance so they had that independence. And obviously sometimes they'd, raring to go and they you know run in and do it and other times they're a little bit shy but having that idea of that transaction and that experience of making that transaction so it's something I used to love doing um you know whether that was at a market in Spain on holiday or in a little local shop um you know and that's what we do with our children as well. Mm. And is there something that you've particularly learned from introducing this approach something that your your kids have learned as well? Well, I think it's just that concept of you don't just go and pick something up and take it. The idea that you, you know, if you're going into a shop where somebody else is selling things, that, that that's what the selling means. You buy that from them. And so um, whereas you might go into your, your parents' house or their grandparents' house and you pick up a book and if you fancy taking that home for the night, then that's fine. You're going to borrow it from your grandparents. But if you go into a shop and you want to take something away, you need to buy it. And so differentiating between a situation where you can borrow, maybe like at the library where the transaction is, you know, the stamping of the ticket or these days it's all digital online and a, a, a non-touch pickup service. Um, but the, the idea that in certain circumstances you'll, you'll have to um, give money in order to, to receive that, that piece of equipment, those goods, it is really important. And so they can then differentiate between what's the shop, what's the library where you formally borrow something, and then a, a family or a friend's house where you can borrow something because of, you know, the words that are exchanged between those people. And so I think those are the, you know, the different types of transactions and getting them used to those different types of transactions from an early age. Yeah, really interesting. I hope the listeners are getting something from that. Um, you may have seen, Sarah, the Money Heroes activities. I hope you did. What did you mm. think? 
it's great. I mean, anything that involves that, you know, um, education that introduces the idea of those transactions from a monetary perspective is really important. And and especially now, if if people are, you know, homeschooling and they, they need some extra resource to supplement what the school is sending home, it's really useful to be able to delve into something that relates to everyday life. And especially if you have primary age children and, and you know, key stage one, we talk about the idea that, you know, learning through play and learning through interactions with other people is one of the most powerful ways of learning. And so if you have a key stage one child at the moment who's really struggling to interact with the screen and the Teams call or whatever Google Classroom, then being able to play educational games is a really good alternative and actually might be a better alternative for some children. Yeah. So you've got these educational games. What skills do you actively want to teach your children around money and, and finance and, and why? Well, the why is just to help them function in society in a, in a healthy way where, where money's concerned so that they have that skill as they grow older. And the sooner you you know have that skill, the sooner you you know can can run your own finances successfully. Um, nobody wants to live beyond their means. So we're teaching children around the idea of living within your means and what that means and putting it into the language that they can understand. So the idea that if something costs X amount, but you don't have that much, then you will have to wait until you do in order to buy it. Um, but then also the idea that if you have a certain amount of money and you have to divide it up into the different parts of life that you have to pay for before you have the extra bit of money to pay for the, you know, the nice things. And so the right age of, of being able to, you know, introduce the concept of a household account and how you would run that. And that would be that would come later with the earlier, you know, the earlier age children. You're teaching them just about that idea of if you would like X and if you have that amount of money, then yes, you can buy that now. And I think, you know, for children, it's our job as parents to save for them. You're not asking them to save all of their pocket money, but you might divide up their pocket money into three parts where they might save a little bit for a rainy day, as it were, for something bigger that they'd like to buy. They might spend it right now because there's a treat in the shop that they'd like to have, like a magazine or something. Uh, and they might give something away. And the idea that you might give to, to, to charity or to someone who's less fortunate than yourself. And that's something that we've certainly introduced to um, our seven-year-old over the last couple of years. The idea that if you have something that you can part with and you don't need for yourself, then giving it to somebody else to make their life better could be, you know, a really powerful um, gift that you have. And that can help you to feel good about yourself as well, whilst knowing that hopefully it will help and have an impact to somebody else's situation. So we've had those sort of three reasons why you might spend your own money. And we've talked about those with her. Yeah, very, very inspiring and uh, very interesting indeed. And uh, I think I'll uh, I'll take a, a leaf out of that book and try that with my children because uh, that is really wise advice. We're coming towards the end. Are there any standout questions your children ask you about money or anything else you can add about developing uh, children's money capability skills at home? Well, I think one of the most interesting questions, and I don't know that I have the answer to a child, um, is why do some things cost more than others when they look the same? <laughs> We've introduced um, children to the concept of different currencies and how something might be five euros in Spain. It might be um, five pounds in the UK. And those currencies are virtually the same amount. So we're introducing the concept of why some things cost more in some places than others, appearing because it's the sign that makes the difference. And then also why things change in price. So we go to the same fuel station 
And sometimes the fuel costs this amount. And then other times we go there and the numbers have changed. Why have those numbers changed, mummy? Um, and so trying to explain why those sort of things change in price is also, you know, a tricky one to explain, but something that you can try and do in simple terms, um, you know, to hopefully give them an answer uh, as they grow, then they can start to understand the more the, the, the impact of global economy and, and how that affects the cost of things, too. Well, Sarah, it really has been a, a pleasure having you as our Money Heroes guest today and hearing your experience as a parent on this topic. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been fantastic to be here and discuss the different things. And yeah, children will always keep us on our toes, won't they? Uh, <laughs> well, certainly after today, you've given me some real food for thought. And uh, I, I really have been inspired by what you've had to say. And I'm certainly going to practice uh, what you've just preached to me. It really is very interesting indeed. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining yet another episode. Uh, I hope that uh, Dame Sarah has brought some more of your thoughts to the table today. And if you'd like to share anything you've taken away from this episode uh, please visit moneyheroes.org.uk or get in touch at moneyheroes at y-m.org.uk that's moneyheroes at y-m.org.uk all the details are there until next time goodbye the money heroes podcast from Young Money, supported by HSBC UK. Available on your favourite podcast app. Please listen and subscribe.